Okay, we'll wrap up our praying. Lord, we ask that you would seal every one of these prayers with the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Good to see Brenda Turner back. She's at the back over there with Kathy. Good to see you, Brenda. And Joanne. Yes, Joanne Harper. Haven't seen her in over a year. Good to see Joanne aged a year since we were here. None of us did, but Joanne did. Praise the Lord. Reuven. Praise the Lord forevermore. Well, Janet shared last week that our faith in Christ will usually prove itself within our family relationships with those who really know us best. Now, please turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. And can I encourage you, I'm going to share some things this morning that you have probably never heard. And some things I think are very important that I'm going to share. And, and somehow I feel that the church has, we, we've missed so much by not going deeper and deeper and deeper. And I had a wonderful week with the Lord this week, and I feel that he wants us to, to go deep uh, this morning into revelation, insight, and understanding, and especially concerning this particular scripture in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. So I'm going to read the scripture, I'm going to pray below the shofar, and then we're going to look at this wonderful, wonderful text. Bondservants, be obedient to those who are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart with goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. And you masters, do the same things to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. Let's pray. Lord, I pray you'd open up our hearts, our ears, our understanding, that we may see wonderful things tucked away in your word. Lord, I thank you that Paul's word to Timothy, one of the great exhortation was study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needs not be ashamed because you've spent the time at the master's feet to learn of him and have the opportunity to become more like him. So Lord, we thank you that your word is already anointed. Now come and anoint us this morning. Give us an anointing to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is wanting to say to the church gathered right here in the Fellowship Hall this morning. 
And Lord, again, I pray we'd hear a sound from heaven this morning. So as I simply blow the shofar, Lord, tune in our ability to hear the voice of the Father through the power of the Spirit that will make your word personalized and customized for each one of us today. Thank you, Lord, for your presence this morning. We are eternally grateful, Lord. Amen. Bond servants. How many of you in your translations has that word bond servants and not just servants? How many of you? All right, that means you're only reading one of two versions. You're either reading the New King James Version or you're reading the ESV. All the other translations only say servants. And they missed it. They missed it. So let's not pass over this word too quickly. I'll be like Pastor John. Therefore, let's stop. Good old Pastor John. He gets one word and he's got a message. Bond servant. What is the significance of this word? This is why I want you to take notes if possible. Take your phones out. If you have your phones in your bag or in your pocket, take your phone out. There's an app probably on there called Notes. And if you're not writing old-fashioned with pen and paper, please look to take down notes. Listen, the older we get, our memories, well, they just don't function as well as they used to. Amen. Yeah, I thought I'd hear an amen there. <laughs> All right, the significance of this word. Listen, it's got to be deep and rich. It must have so much deeper meaning that the enemy somehow has come in and robbed translations from that word by just saying mere servant rather than bondservant. It must have such deep meaning because four, four of the New Testament apostles labeled themselves, and these are writers of the letters in the Bible, they labeled themselves as bondservants in the first verse that they wrote to the churches. Listen to these apostolic introductions. Philippians 1.1, written by the Apostle Paul. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ. Philippians 1.1. James 1.1. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Second, Peter 1, 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. And the beloved apostle John, Revelation 1, 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his bondservants 
the things which must shortly take place. And he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant, John. So what's the deal? What's the deal with this word bondservant? It must have hidden significance. Since these four apostles labeled themselves as such before their apostleship. That's weighty, folks. They are the first apostles in the church, but they said, Be above this, I'm a bondservant before I'm an apostle. Well, let's see where this term originated from. Turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 21. Exodus chapter 21, almost the exact same context in Scripture is in Deuteronomy chapter 15. Exodus 21, I'll start in verse 2, reading verses 2 through 6. If you buy a Hebrew servant, he shall serve six years. And in the seventh, he shall go out free and pay nothing. Now, if he comes in by himself, he shall only go out by himself. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. Verse 4. If his master has given him a wife and she has borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters. And he shall go out by himself. Verse 5. But if the servant plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him to the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or to the doorpost of his master and shall pierce his ear with an awl. And he shall serve him forever. Wow, my hair. I just. The Hebrew word, yeah, he, they, he said I would have some feedback. I'm going to turn this off. We don't like feedback, do we? The Hebrew word is the word eved, E V E D, eved. The Greek word is doulos. Now I want you all to say eved. Doulos. doulos. Now, if someone says, what is a bondservant? You can say doulos. Not just servant, bondservant. Doulos, eved. It means to bind, to knit together. It means to tie. It means to make into one. And it signifies oneness. Now, it's important for us to realize that in the Bible, there are four different types of servants that are recorded throughout the scriptures. How many of you knew that? Besides this hand over here. Yeah, listen, this, this, is, this is unfortunate that the church today, and listen, you're not alone. Most nobody knows about the four different types of servants. This is why I want to encourage you, take notes. Because you know why? The next time you're in a discussion with a group of people, you'll know something they won't. Four different types of servants. Number one, some were bought as slaves. Second, 
Others were born to parents who were slaves or servants. So as a result, they were raised in a servant or slave household. Third, there were those who voluntarily offered up their servanthood. And fourth, there were hired servants to just complete a task. So in other words, when harvest time came, you didn't just have your own servants that could help with the the grape harvest or the wheat harvest or the corn harvest. You had to hire other people to be able to help them bring in the harvest. So that's the fourth type of servant, four different types of servants. Now, the bond servant is unique in that it's a combination of number one and number three. A bond servant was bought as a slave and voluntarily offered their servanthood. As we read in Exodus, after six years of service, the slave or the servant was given an option to leave and be a free person, or he could voluntarily stay on and work for his employer. But if he decided to stay on, it says first they called the judges, whatever that means. There must have been some judges that were there to be able to determine whether or not he's going to be able to stay there. And if they all agreed, there was such an unusual ritual that, had, that they had to go through. I'll tell you, it wasn't just a little deal between the, bond, the, the, the servant and his master. It was probably a big gathering. And they would take this person who was a bought slave and bring him to the door of his master and take his ear and stretch his ear, put his head up there. This is how it was, folks. And pierce his ear with an awl, a, a leather punch to the door. And there you are, stuck against the door with your ear pierced. How doesn't that sound crazy? Yeah. Wow. It sounds nuts. Can you imagine there were men in those days that were walking all around the city with pierced ears? It's amazing how some biblical trends continue. <laughs> if only all men with pierced ears today were bondservants of the Lord Jesus Christ. This manner of long-term commitment, it had greater significance more than a mere ritual. Here's what it signified. Note takers. My ear is pierced to the door of my master. Second, my ear is opened to the voice of my master and it is his voice that I will obey. And third, third I will incline my ear and train my ear to recognize my master's voice over all other voices. And I will follow my master's voice wherever he leads me. 
You see, bondservants were great listeners that had tuned in to their master's voice. They could recognize their master's voice in the midst of a crowd. They were tuned in to that voice above all others. Our problem today is that we have not given allegiance to the voice of our master as they did back then. But what a permanent reminder they had. A hole in the ear. I'll tell you, not one of them ever forgot that day of commitment. And that allegiance to the master's voice will separate us from being a bondservant or just another servant in the Lord's household. Because there's a difference between the bondservant and the regular slaves. Paul wrote to the Philippians, listen to this. He wrote to the Philippians, Philippians 2 verse 7. Jesus made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant. May the Lord forgive the translators that only said servant there. Jesus was much more than a servant. Jesus was a bondservant. Coming in the likeness of men. Jesus was and is the perfect bondservant. Which meant he had to do two things. He had to fulfill. He was bought. Jesus was bought. When was Jesus bought? Before the foundation of the world. That's a good thing. When was Jesus bought? 30 pieces of silver. Oh, his life was bought for 30 pieces of silver. And what did he do? He fully surrendered his life of service to the house of his father. He pierced his ear. Jesus' ear was pierced to the door of heaven. To his father. And you know, these four apostles that I already mentioned, they knew this fact about Jesus and they wanted to be just like him. That's why they described themselves first as a bondservant more than to be an apostle. Their bond service was lifted to a place of such holy elevation. You see, in Ephesus, in Paul's day, slaves paid a, played a significant part in that society. There were several million of them in the Roman Empire at that time. And because many of the slave owners and the slaves themselves were becoming believers in Jesus, the early church had a deal with the question of master-slave relations. So Paul's statement here neither condemns nor condones slavery. But instead, it tells masters and slaves how to live together as one in the family of God. In Paul's day, 
women and children and slaves had very few rights. However, in the church, they had freedoms that society denied them. That's why Paul instructs husbands and parents and masters and employers to be caring all the time. Now, let's look again back at Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, verses 6 through 8. Paul gives instructions to encourage responsibility and integrity on the job. He mentions the word I service. Anybody know what that means? Okay, I'll give you a classic example of I service. Here comes the boss. Okay, he just left. Ah, all right. I service is that when the boss comes in, you're a perfect employee. But when the boss leaves, you do whatever you want. He's saying, don't do eye service. Because eye service is doing your best only when the boss is looking at you. So he's saying Christian employees, they should do their jobs as if the Lord Jesus is looking at you all day long. He is your all-seeing supervisor. He watches you even when you're on break. And Christian employers should treat their employees fairly with respect. Now, let me ask this question. If I was with a younger audience, I'd probably get a greater response. But how many of you are still working? Well, praise the Lord. About 10, 12. Hallelujah. That's not bad out of 70. The rest of us are in unemployment. What can we say? How many of us employ others? All right. Less, about four or five. How many of you are glad you're doing neither of these in this year's stage of your life? That work, this stuff, I'm glad that's over. And having people work for me, that's down the road motors. Now, seriously, if you're still working, can you be trusted to do your best when no one is looking? Do you work hard with enthusiasm? Do you treat your employees as valued persons? No matter whom you work for or no matter who works for you, the one you should want to please always is your Father in heaven who watches always. Amen. Now let's look at verse 9. Verse 9, although Christians may be at different levels in earthly society, we are all equal before God. He does not play favorites. No one is more important than anyone else. No one. No one. And Paul's letter to Philemon stresses this same point. 
You remember the book Philemon? You should. It's the shortest book in the New Testament. Of course, Obadiah is similar. Philemon, the master, and Onesimus, the slave, they were one in the family of God. They were brothers in Christ. And this is much like Paul's words to the Colossians in chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. Paul writes, whatever you do, whatever you do, do it with all your heart. Because you're working for the Lord, not for human masters. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Paul refocuses our attention from the what to the who. Who do we work for? So we need to shift our perspective for working for the Lord and fulfilling our earthly duties for him. Do everything as unto the Lord. This is why I loved, I had so many friends that were in YWAM and they used to get excited cleaning toilet bowls. Really? They used to get excited with the more menial tasks of life because they did it as unto the Lord, not unto men. And they didn't care what anybody thought about them when they were cleaning toilets. Mm. We are employed in God's kingdom work wherever we are, whatever we're doing, we're in the kingdom. And this is far more significant than any earthly company or enterprise. What kind of work we do and the amount of human recognition we receive for it does not matter as much as who we are working for and the manner in which we work. Amen. I need to repeat that. That was a mouthful. The kind of work we do and the amount of human recognition that we get as a result of it, that doesn't matter. What matters is who we are working for and the manner, the attitude that we have while we're fulfilling that, that work. Amen. So no matter what you do, know that all of the acknowledgement, all of the acceptance that you need has already been graciously bestowed upon you by God who knows you and loves you and created you for this exact season in your life. He's given you and I a mission to fulfill. It's our ultimate destiny to become one with him. And we're in the process of getting there. And may the Lord help us to move from being mere servants in the body of Christ to becoming bond servants. Bond servants. Bond servants. Whose hearing hearts and hearing ears are listening for his voice all throughout the day. Lord Jesus, we just proclaim you again today. You are Lord Supreme. You are King, ruling and reigning 
You and you alone are the master in the Father's vineyard. And Jesus, we want to thank you today for paying the highest price. You bought us. You bought us with your blood. Thank you, Lord. You paid for our entry into your kingdom. And Lord, this morning, this April 18th morning, you're speaking to us here in Waco, Texas, just as Paul spoke to those in Corinth so long ago. You are not your own. For you were bought at the highest price ever paid. That's how valuable you are. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. God owns you. You are not your own. And Lord Jesus, we, we just want you to be glorified. We want you to be magnified. We want you to be recognized in and through us, Lord. Would you give us the desire today, Lord, today, today, to have our ears pierced to your door, to the door of heaven, so that we may easily recognize your voice when you are in fact speaking, either through a situation, through a circumstance, through a person, through your word. As we look at a sunset or a flower or even a little hill of ants, God, we want to have our hearts tuned into heaven's frequency. Because, Jesus, we want to come closer to you than just mere servants in the house. We want to be your bondservants. These four apostles that we so admire, we so expect, and Timothy was in the patch. God, they just saw how holy it was to be like Jesus in bondservanthood. So, Lord, tonight, today, I pray you'd give us hearing hearts, O oh Lord, that we may recognize your voice over all other competing voices that want our attention. Because no one deserves our attention more than you. We give you thanks for piercing our ear. We are bought and we willingly offer our lives so seal us this morning as bondservants of the Most High God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, bondservants, go and rejoice in the Lord throughout the rest of this day and the rest of your lives. Amen. Can you go turn that off?